and welcome. You're listening to Housing for All, the podcast that believes we all deserve a great home that allows us to flourish. I'm Chris. And I'm Mary. And I'm Andrew. Back again. So in part one of this episode, we looked at a lot of interesting historical problems. Yeah. So we covered a lot of ground last episode, but the most important point was this. We take long-term fixed-rate mortgages for granted, but we really shouldn't. Nobody in their right mind would make these loans. So why do they? Why do banks make these loans today? That's the topic of part two. All right, well, let's take a look at this, uh, this fiscal lunacy and see what's, see what's going on. So the two important issues, um, just that nobody in their right mind would make a low interest, long-term fixed rate mortgage, and then liquidity put a hard limit on the number of loans that can be made. Um, and so that explains why, why a, a minority of people were homeowners prior to the New Deal. Okay, um, so how do how do we fix this mess? FDR is elected president in 1932. He takes office in 1933. And by the summer of 1933, Congress has passed a law creating the entity responsible for reversing the housing crisis of the Great Depression. So let's not lose sight of the big picture. So broadly, FDR is staring down two separate but pretty closely related problems. Um, so, so what are they? Let's, let's check your memory. Um, is it the Depression and World War II? Or so the, the, the yeah. rise of fascism in Europe and Asia? So, okay, right. so for housing, he's got two problems. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but in terms of housing, um, I would. So the, so, I, there's the Great Depression, right? Yes. So yes. So the Great Depression. So um, so all right. Let's see what you think of my summary. So the housing and the banking system have failed catastrophically. In massive numbers, people can't make their balloon payments, and as a result, huge numbers of people are losing their homes. Now, in ordinary times, people would be able to just get a new balloon mortgage. But in the Great Depression, nobody is lending, so nobody can get an, a new mortgage and nobody can pay their balloon payment. Mm -hmm. Now, because the banks are not getting their balloon payments, they're going bankrupt. And this is deepening an already catastrophic economic situation. Because in ordinary times, when someone defaulted on their loan, the bank had the right to seize the home in foreclosure. Mm -hmm. And in order to recover the huge sum of money they lost when the borrower couldn't pay back the loan, the bank would sell the home as soon as possible to, to recover those losses. But this is the Great Depression, and nobody's lending, which means that nobody can actually buy the home. And so there's massive numbers of bank-owned homes on the market, and nobody wants to buy them. Hmm. So is that a good summary of the first problem? Yeah. Yep. Okay, what's the second problem? So it's not World War II. We got that, we got that out of the way. <laughs> um, <laughs> so at a glance, the underlying problem is that people can't get access to a new balloon mortgage to pay off their old balloon mortgage. So it would be very logical to look for a way to get people a new balloon mortgage. Mm -hmm. Or potentially a new mortgage that actually isn't terrible. <laughs> right. Yeah, so no, that's exactly it. So, you know, FDR realizes that the balloon mortgages themselves are the problem. So if balloon mortgages are the cause of the problem, then the, the solution should replace the balloon mortgage. Yeah. 
Perpetuating a broken system based around balloon mortgages will ensure that history repeats itself and we have another Great Depression. Right. Makes sense? Yes. Um, man, wasn't it amazing when we had leadership that actually was like, you know what? <laughs> yeah. Let's be imaginative <laughs> Let's here. solve this problem. <laughs> All right. So, um, so, you know, really, this is just no big deal. And I'm being sarcastic, <laughs> right? FDR has a catastrophic, epic-defining collapse of the housing system, and he has to figure out how to keep millions of people in their homes and thousands of banks from failing. And FDR has to figure out how to do this without using any of the existing financial instruments, because all the existing financial instruments are the cause of the problem. I mean... <laughs> yes. Yeah, uh, I mean... It's certainly a challenge. I got to give him that. I do not envy. I'll give him that. I hope he likes a fight. Yeah. Just get his little um, Scotty dog fallow to sleep on his feet and he'll have this licked in no time. I'm yeah. not worried. Yeah. So, all right. So you say, you know, all right. Okay. So you're FDR's advisors. What, what do you tell him to do? Probably something bad because this was the past. I'm assuming they weren't. Uh, I don't know. Um, I mean, I, I would say, like, I, I want to believe create the FDIC <laughs> insurance program. So the so, so we're not talking about the FDIC, but that's that's a that's a very good idea. So you're you're on the right track. Yeah. So this idea you're about to have is going to solve is going to solve everything. Um, <laughs> potentially, I think I would be like, you know what? Why do we even need banks? Let's just make this a let's make this a communist um paradise and we'll just we'll just have all public housing all public everything there you go bada boom bada bing no more banks you're actually they're pretty garbage you're actually surprisingly close hey. to the right answer <laughs> <laughs> so so the the entity is called the homeowners loan corporation hmm. so this is a program created by the federal government and it invents a new product the low interest 20 year fixed rate fully amortizing mortgage i know i've heard of this this no. is yeah this is this is the the loan that we would now recognize as normal it's the loan that we take for granted this is where it comes from so the homeowners loan corporation buys as many foreclosed homes as it can find it's a massive operation it buys 20 percent of all mortgages in the entire united states wow. yeah so this obviously eases the banking crisis, right? The whole problem for the banks is that they can't find a buyer for all these foreclosed homes, and now the federal government is buying them in massive numbers. But it's not just a bailout for the banks. The homeowners loan corporation sells these homes back to their homeowners. Hmm. So people who had lost their homes, who had been foreclosed upon by these failing banks who are working on a failing a foundation that was built on failing systems are getting in getting theirs too, which is kind of kind of best of all possible world a, a better version of one of the possible worlds that could exist, I would say. Yeah, it, it it's a pretty amazing program. Yeah. Um so, you know, you know, you might be thinking how can the homeowner afford to buy their home back? Yeah. What would you do as the homeowner's loan corporation? Um, I mean, like you would give them a loan, I assume, but maybe a not garbage one. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So you've just invented 
the 20 year 5% fixed rate, fully amortizing mortgage. Yeah. And you offer that to the homeowners to buy their Be home back. Eager to get it out there. <laughs> try it, try it. Yeah. Out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so, and, and just to, let's just appreciate how bonkers this was, right? They had 20 year loan term, 5% fixed interest rate, fully amortizing. Your typical loan at that time was five years, six to 8% interest and interest only. <laughs> Yeah. And also like you've just, you just, you lost your home and I'm assuming to some extent are aware of the fact that like it was because of that, because of the structure of that loan. Now that, now that this new opportunity, this new option exists, this must've been mind boggling for people. Like legitimately, because this this is, I can't even, I can't, like, I can't imagine how, because like we're talking to people who had experience, bad experiences with these balloon mortgages. Like they know that they are bad. They know the pain. They know that it's hard to struggle with this every five years to like, beg for more money that you'll never pay off. And all of a sudden, hey, don't worry about it. Well, you know, worry about it, but like worry about it in 20 years. Over the course of 20 years, spread out evenly and so that you can actually manage the payments. Like that's, that is, that is revolutionary. There's nothing, nothing yeah. short of revolutionary. That is amazing. And it's, so it's fully amortizing. Yeah. So at the end of the 20 years, that's it. You, you don't you owe own anything. You own yeah. it. That's, a, yeah. I, I, something I have been taking for granted, but now really do appreciate. That's, that's, that's wild. So, yeah, so the program is a resounding success. Yeah. For 80% of the mortgages it bought, the family lived happily ever after. Hmm. Um, we shouldn't be happy with 80%, but considering this is the Great Depression, yeah. um, that's a miracle. 80% is a miracle. Yeah. And again, they bought 20% of all mortgages in the entire United States. And, you know, adding to this, the average homeowner's loan corporation borrower was two years delinquent on their mortgage and three years behind on property taxes. Hmm. And the homeowner's loan corporation actually ran a small profit. Um, so that's just incredible to turn a profit on housing in the Great Depression. Yeah. Yeah. What a bonus. But also, again, because you because with the with the power that comes from a sort of organized social welfare minded. Well, you're setting people Thing, up for yeah. something they can actually do. Yeah. They, which before they really weren't. I mean, like the idea of having a loan that you would just pay interest on until basically your loan was up is basically like you shouldn't buy a home really at that point unless you could outright afford the home. Yeah. I mean, what's what's crazy with this is it seems like, you know, if you just sort of let capitalism follow its course naturally, it doesn't help people. But hear me out on this, guys. If you have a plan that involves awareness of the needs of society and the need to, I don't know, uplift people and provide basic I know, rights. but then they're going to become, like, really lazy. Oh, yeah. And none yeah. of them yeah, that yeah, currently yeah. are working three jobs at, at, like, below minimum wage will want to do oh, that man. anymore. And that's a problem. Egg on my face. Yeah. Oh my god. You forgot you forgot that when people know that they have rights that that's very dangerous for all parties involved and it's just not Ugh, god, How are we yeah. supposed to how are we supposed to blood suck and take advantage of them if uh, they don't have to like have a hard scrabble life and work every minute yeah. of every day. Ugh. <laughs> Next you're going to be suggesting that they Indeed. should have access to healthcare anytime they want. I know. Ah! I mean, that's that's a step too far. No. Uh, <laughs> the world. Hooray. <laughs> okay, so now there were some issues with the Homeowners Loan Corporation. Um, 
for one, the Homeowners Loan Corporation was very racist. Um, they were anti-Semitic. They didn't like immigrants. And this story has been told really well elsewhere. So we're not going to get into it here um, because it's been told so well um, in other places. But this is the organization that invented redlining. Ooh. Got you. Oof. Yeah. That's so yeah. evil. <laughs> and, and thus deprived yeah. generations of black Americans or sort of non-white Americans the ability to build intergenerational wealth and rise above poverty. Yep. Yep. Um, And so if you want to learn more about this, The Color of Law by Richard Rothstein is kind of the best source um, for uh, housing discrimination in the New Deal. Um, So... uh, So anyway, yeah. So a really... I mean, a really serious problem with the Homeowners Loan Corporation. The other problem is that they need to sell their loans as soon as possible. And this just becomes a major problem for the New Deal. So why? Why does the Homeowners Loan Corporation have to sell off their loans? There's an 80% cure rate, right? And we said that that's miraculous for the Great Depression. But that still means that one out of five Homeowners Loan Corporation mortgages failed. And the Homeowners Loan Corporation has bought 20% of all mortgages in the entire United States. So you do a little arithmetic, that's a lot of foreclosures. And FDR is afraid of what will happen if the Homeowners Loan Corporation starts foreclosing on people's homes in massive numbers. Like, Uh, that's really bad press. Oh, yeah. Huh. So... So it's just better if a private investor owns the loans, because that way the name of an East Coast trust fund is on all oh, the foreclosure paperwork, oh, not the federal okay, government. Okay. Okay. So basically, this is this is shifting responsibility, so that if, if this fails, there's a scapegoat that is not the government. What we're figuring out here is how it seems like we pay our bank back for our loans, but actually it's not our bank. Hmm. I think is what we're getting around to. Eventually, so we're, we are going to circle back to that, um, but not till we get to Fannie Mae. Mm. Yeah. Um, but you're exactly right. You're you're exactly it's right. It's all a shell, anyway. <laughs> yes. Uh, we're going to get to that too. Um, so the other problem is that even in the depths of the Great Depression, there is massive opposition to public lending, and the Homeowners Loan Corporation only passed because the law included provisions for shutting itself down. Hmm. So it's, it's legally required to sell off its mortgages, right? It was a mainstream idea at the time that the Great Depression was a good thing, right? <laughs> the free market is simply correcting itself. The people losing their homes should never have been homeowners. And uh, the market's just correcting itself. And if you try to interfere with it, you're just going to make things worse. Hmm. Um, you know, of course, that's willfully ignorant <laughs> of how the balloon mortgages actually work. Yeah. Um, but that was a mainstream idea. And so the compromise position between do something and do nothing is to do something temporarily. <laughs> so, um, okay. So it makes sense. Any questions about, about that? Yeah, got it. Okay. So the homeowners loan corporation immediately offers mortgages for sale to private investors as they're, you know, required to do. Is that going to work? Are they going to succeed? Are they actually going to be able to sell their mortgages to investors? What do you think? Hmm. I mean, I feel like investors are probably feeling a little bit like warier than perhaps they might have been in previous decades. Um, but I'm going to guess. I'm going to go ahead and guess that it did succeed. 
Well, so we said before that nobody in their right mind would offer low interest, long-term amortizing fixed rate mortgages. So why would anyone in their right mind buy oh, one? Sure. So, I mean, they wouldn't. Yeah. All the all the reasons why banks don't originate these loans mean that no investor wants to buy them, hmm. right? Yeah. Prepayment risk, interest rate risk, liquidity risk, credit risk. Um, these are all just because somebody else has made it. That's that's still a uh, that's still risks that investors are not willing to take on. Sure. And this is especially true because the homeowners loan corporation only bought failed mortgages. Who would want to buy a mortgage that had already failed once? And then like not even not. And also is it now a long term low interest rate mortgage? Right, 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 right. It turned in. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. Um, so the I mean, so these nobody wants to buy these. Um, nobody in their right mind would buy these mortgages. Now, ultimately, the homeowners loan corporation does succeed at selling off all of its mortgages. It starts dissolving in 1947, but it takes until 1954 to sell off the last of its mortgages. And the rest of the New Deal housing reforms are created with two goals in mind. Number one, somehow entice private investors to buy homeowners loan corporation loans. What's the other goal? Get, uh, I'm assuming get private banks to offer these loans? Exactly, right? Because only the homeowners loan corporation is offering an alternative to balloon mortgages. And so if the low interest, long-term fixed rate mortgage does not outlive the homeowners loan corporation, history will repeat itself and we'll have another Great Depression. So we have a lot more to talk about this episode, but if the homeowners loan corporation was a permanent program, our episode would end here. Um, literally none of the rest of the New Deal housing programs would have been necessary if the Homeowners Loan Corporation was a permanent program. All right, so FDR's first idea, ask investors politely to buy Homeowners Loan Corporation mortgages, has failed. What is he going to try next? I mean, can you try to force it? I mean... I don't know. That, that seems like a like a move that would be taken quite quite uh, poorly, I guess. <laughs> even yeah, even for uh, glad you suggested it, but no, even <laughs> even for the Great Depression, that was a that was a step too far. Yeah. Um, so one idea that was floated: what if we made it impossible for investors to lose money? Uh, what I see if this is the going. government? <laughs> What if the government would unconditionally bail out any investor's losses and ask for nothing in return? I mean, and yeah. <laughs> and seems seems logical, yeah. seems like it would work. So that's the strategy behind a brand new organization called the Federal Housing Administration. And the Federal Housing Administration is created to insure homeowners loan corporation mortgages. So with Federal Housing Administration insurance, if a borrower can't pay back their mortgage, the Federal Housing Administration will cover any losses to the owner of the mortgage. So, so the bank. Yes. Gotcha. Yeah. Or the or the investors who's bought sure, it. Sure, sure, sure. Um, so now the borrower is the one that's forced to pay the monthly fee to the Federal Housing Administration for their insurance. Um, so it's the borrower that's paying for the insurance, but they're not the ones that are insured. 
So, you know, if they lose their job, become disabled for some reason, unable to work, um, they get to lose their home and their life savings. The insurance only covers the lender, but the borrower is paying for it. Huh. Seems a bit unbalanced, but I can see, I can understand like why, I guess this originated. Right. Because yeah. At the necessity right, because of the drug, this, yeah. Sure, because this this might work. This might entice investors to buy homeowners loan corporation mortgages. Yeah. You can't lose money on them. Why don't you buy them? Um, now, what about the other problem, right? The other goal is to make sure that the housing system does not revert back to balloon mortgages once the homeowners loan corporation is gone. So how could you set the Federal Housing Administration to work on that problem? Hmm. I mean, I I feel like my first inclination is consistently the, the strong armed approach. You, could you make balloon mortgages illegal, or is that also too? too <laughs> I mean, because I I would personally if I had the power. But I wonder. I think that might be a bit of a strong, bit of a stretch this time too. <laughs> so, so a little softer touch we're looking for. <laughs> this is why I'm not in politics. Probably <laughs> just make them do it. Come on, jeez. Uh, well, I don't know if reaching across the aisle and uh, <laughs> trying to have polite discourse is working very well. Uh, West Wing neolib bullshit. Yeah, fair, fair. <laughs> so maybe it would be better if we just made them do things. Uh, <laughs> after all, we're the ones, they are representing us, our interests, and we voted for them. Yeah, true, true. <laughs> so with the insurance, what else could the Federal Housing Administration do about insurance? to try to get the private market to start offering these loans. Hmm. So the, so the loan, the people who take out the loans are also paying for the insurance already. Right. So that's right. So, so that's not an additional benefit. That is just part of the package. Um, what if you were to offer the same insurance to private lenders um, as long as they made a loan that was as good or better than the homeowners loan corporation. So you say to, you know, you say, Hey, uh, you know, banks okay. and credit unions, yeah. if you make a 20 year loan with a 20% down payment and a maximum 5% interest rate, you're eligible to participate in the federal housing administration and get federal housing administration insurance for that loan. So now it's just, so it's, uh, there's incentive now to, to, to buy the loans, but also to make similar loans following the same idea. Exactly. Exactly. So it's not really a, so again, they took a softer touch than I would, but <laughs> they, made it, <laughs> they made it reasonable to start giving out these absolutely insane loans. Um, yeah, which is, thanks. <laughs> kind of, kind of, <laughs> yeah. I guess. So, okay. So the lenders will make loans. The borrowers will pay the fee for the insurance and the investors will buy the loans from the lenders and all is well. The low interest long-term fixed rate mortgage will be offered by the free market and there's no need for the homeowners loan corporation. And this is all made possible by the federal housing administration, right? Mm -hmm. With this insurance, people will be willing to buy the homeowners loan corporation mortgages and the free market will start making these. So is this going to work? I I do think it's like the free market will do it after the government comes in and makes it possible. (laughs) <laughs> Which, <laughs> I mean, history does repeat, I suppose. But, um, but this, this is this is this is the logic of 
of the of, but that's a, that's a whole different podcast to get into. But no, I think um, it will probably work to some extent. But I think um, two thousand eight might have some might have some thoughts on whether or not it would work in the long term. Um, but I'm guessing this was a radical improvement and did work at least for some time. One assumes, and possibly even still does, kind of. It it did not work. Ah, well, damn, 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 so damn. In- damn. Investors still do not want to buy homeowners loan corporation loans, even with Federal Housing Administration insurance. And lenders do not want to originate loans that would be eligible for Federal Housing Administration insurance. Why on earth not? Why not? They're getting, uh, they can't lose money on these. Yes. Right? They can't lose money. So why wouldn't they buy these mortgages? Why would investors be interested in buying these mortgages? Hmm. I mean, I, I, this time I feel like I've had like trouble rationalizing things previously, but I don't understand because this seems this legitimately again, proving that I'm not a financial wizard seems like kind of a really good idea. Like you can't, like you literally can't, there's nothing to be lost here in principle, right? Like if, if, if it is lost, you get it back and you didn't have to pay for the insurance to cover that. So why wouldn't you jump to this as an opportunity? So let me give you a hint. So the thing that we've been saying throughout this episode is that nobody in their right mind would offer low interest, long term fixed rate mortgages. And there were four reasons for Mm -hmm. that. Right. We talked about credit risk, liquidity risk, interest rate risk and prepayment risk. So so what the insurance is doing is saying, look, if this borrower can't pay back their mortgage, we'll we'll cover any losses from that. Mm Um, but you still have to buy a, you know, a large, you has, you still have to buy a full home loan. So you're still, you still have liquidity risk, mm. right? Cause, um, you know, if we're, if we're thinking in terms of today's dollars, right, you have to buy a $200,000 home loan. Um, that's $200,000 of liquidity out the door. So like, obviously we've incentivized buying these loans from, from the governments and making these loans, but we don't have this sort of aftermarket incentivization to sell them to other private entities. Is that a fair assessment? Well, so so the Federal Housing Administration, right? They're they're eliminating credit risk, yeah. and they're saying, okay, we've taken away credit risks. You you can't lose. Yeah. So buy these mortgages. But what they didn't realize was that there's more going on. It's not just the credit risk. It's also the liquidity mm-hmm. risk, the interest rate risk, and the prepayment risk. Um. So so you can see how the liquidity risk is still a problem if you have to buy an entire mortgage for. In today's dollars, say two hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars. That's two hundred thousand dollars worth of liquidity that's gone. Yeah, yeah, because you're yeah um, you're just you're committed s- for like a long time. Yeah, yeah, and the and the long yeah. time is the other part, yeah. right? You've got twenty or thirty years at a fixed interest rate. Yeah. So obviously, over that long period of time, the interest rates are going to change, and that's going to bite you. Yeah. So basically. Uh, so basically, through the Federal Housing Administration, the federal government is assuming credit risk, but investors still have to take on interest rate risk, prepayment risk, and liquidity risk, and they're just unwilling to do so. It's just too much risk. And like like a game of hot potato, lenders would originate the loans if they knew for sure that someone would buy yeah. them, but they know that investors don't want these loans. And so they're not willing to originate them because they're afraid of getting stuck with them. Mm. 
because they because, because only a crazy person would, would do this. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. Ex- exactly, exactly. So there's four types of risk. The government has only eliminated one of them and investors are just unwilling to take on the remaining three. Got you. All right, so what's FDR going to do next? Your FDR's advisors, what do you tell them to do? I mean, find some way to ensure that somebody will buy it. <laughs> Maybe the government? <laughs> well, I think that they're going to do the same thing that anybody who can't get um, insurers interested, they're going to make their own insurance company. <laughs> they're going to insure themselves. They're just going <laughs> to buy it themselves. So... <laughs> So FDR just says, screw it, I'll buy the loans myself, and creates a government program to buy Federal (laughs) Housing Administration insured loans. Yeah. I mean, I've seen Action Park, I know. That's how you do it. If you can't get anyone interested in, become the interested party. (laughs) So, so, So this is just extremely circular logic. Um, So... Right. Government lending is just completely unacceptable. Right. The Homeowners Loan Corporation only passed um, because it was a temporary program. Um, So government lending is just beyond the pale. But if a government lender sells the loans to the government, that's okay. (laughs) I mean, sure. Um, Again, this is the thing. when When you say those words out loud... It does sort of uh, boggle the mind a bit, but yeah, it's it's uh, I, yeah. I don't I don't even know what to say, <laughs> and I've got the outline in front of me. Yeah. So okay, so the entity is called the Federal National Mortgage Administration. A bit redundant. Uh, more <laughs> commonly known by its nickname, the Fed. No, nah, no, it's <laughs> come on. That's the Federal Reserve. What am I doing? I know that much about finance. <laughs> um, it's <laughs> it's Fannie Mae. Fannie Mae. Ah, okay. Huh. Um, so we've got Fannie Mae, and we've also got the Reconstruction Finance Corporation Mortgage Company, and these organizations are created to buy Federal Housing Administration insured mortgages. For simplicity, we're just going to say Fannie Mae, Mm -hmm. because both entities were doing the exact same thing. The Reconstruction Finance Corporation Mortgage Company no longer exists, but Fannie Mae is still around. Um, So when we say Fannie Mae, we're talking about both entities until we're out of the Great Depression. Once we're out of the Great Depression, then Fannie Mae just means Fannie Mae. Gotcha. Okay. So, all right. Now, just to make sure that we haven't lost anyone. um, So... A loan could have Federal Housing Administration insurance in two ways, right? It could be a loan from the Homeowners Loan Corporation, or it could be a low-interest, long-term, fixed-rate loan that was originated by a private lender. So Fannie Mae is buying both. And that's going to, number one, help the Homeowners Loan Corporation shut itself down. And... If lenders know that Fannie Mae will buy these low-interest, long-term, fixed-rate mortgages, maybe they'll start originating low-interest, long-term, fixed-rate mortgages. And the housing system will not revert back to balloon mortgages once the Homeowners Loan Corporation is gone. Hmm. Because, yeah, because now there's a permanent buyer, right? Right, right, right. And so, the you know, the free market will be making these loans and we will, you know, history won't repeat itself. 
Okay, so now just to, you know, just to kind of use the terms that we've been using throughout this episode in terms of, you know, the different types of risk. Um, what is happening? Why would lenders be interested in selling loans to Fannie Mae? Um, well, I mean, presumably that that handles the liquidity problem because if you got a loan, because now there's a buyer, right? Like if you need to get some cash, you have a bunch of things that are valuable over a 20-year period and you want to buy lunch with one of them, <laughs> you've got someone who can make change <laughs> for you by just picking up by buying them and giving you cash, right? Exactly. Yeah. So liquidity risk is gone. Mm-hmm. Um, Credit risk is handled and already, intru- right? By the nature of the insurance program where like, the, you know, we, we already handled that before. Right, right. But that's true. Fannie Mae is assuming the credit mm-hmm. risk by buying those loans. Um, and then also interest rate and prepayment risk. Um, those are gone. Yeah. Because if Fannie Mae owns those loans and the interest rates change, that's Fannie Mae's problem. Got you. So, okay. So, right. Like we keep saying, nobody in their right mind would offer low interest, long-term fixed rate mortgages because there are four risks. Um, Credit risk, liquidity risk, interest rate risk, and prepayment risk. The Federal Housing Administration eliminated one of those risks, and that wasn't good enough. Now Fannie Mae is eliminating all four. Hmm. So one way or another, the federal government is assuming all four of the types of risk for lending. So yeah, so this is this is so, a, this is now an optimal thing for lenders. Yeah, because they're still holding on to a lot of the profit, but they don't have to hold on to any of the risk. We've just socialized the risk of lending. Yeah. <laughs> There's that dirty word. <laughs> um, but the free market's handling all of this, right? Like that's <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I mean, like, are we okay with with the the federal government assuming all these risks and letting lenders continue to take profit and none of the risk? I mean, it doesn't sound quite as good as other systems I've heard about. <laughs> <laughs> I'll put that thought out there. <laughs> but um, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it, it seems, I would say, like, looking at it, historically, it does seem like this is a vast improvement over the, what was what was there before. I, I can't deny that. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I appreciate, part of me can't shake the idea that, like, maybe more could have been done. Uh, sort of a more progressive, more socialized approach that didn't involve private entities and just requir- requiring profit to actually motivate this Social well, what is in essence, in principle, a social welfare, a social welfare program, right? Or what should be right, that. right? If only the you know, if if the homeowners loan corporation was a permanent yeah, program, no, this, this like this we, weird need to make it to 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 say first and foremost that the depression was justified as a product of the free market, which feels crazy, um, given the amount of suffering uh, and the clear one, at least one of many clear causes in the form of balloon mortgages that are not you know, the invisible hand of the market, then to, 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 to then enforce this sort of temporary status as sort of a qualifier for making the world livable for people um, is wild. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So Fannie Mae is, is taking away all this risk, yeah. but by buying the mortgages, Fannie Mae is also adding liquidity to the lenders. Mm-hmm. And I know we've talked about this before, probably sounding like a broken record, but it's just so important. So I just want to really make sure that we all understand yeah. by buying these loans, Fannie Mae is turning this illiquid asset 
the home loan into cash for the lender. Got you. And the lender is probably going to use that cash to make more home loans. Like we said before, selling loans is less profitable over the long term than holding them, but it's far less risky. And so for a lender, making loans and then selling them is a good balance between profitability and limiting exposure to risk. And so Fannie Mae is creating a virtuous cycle here, Hmm. right? You make a loan, you sell it to Fannie Mae. You use the cash from that sale to make another loan and you sell that loan to Fannie Mae. You use the cash from that sale to make another loan and you sell it to Fannie Mae and over and over and over. So do you see why this is important? I mean, it's certainly, I mean, just by, by limiting the risk and allowing that money to circulate to people who want to buy homes, people can buy homes. Right. The key, yeah. The key that I'm looking for here is that money is circulating, right? So because Fannie Mae is adding liquidity to the banking system, it is massively increasing the number of homes that lenders are capable of making, right? Because the home loan is a valuable asset, but it's an illiquid asset and it can't be used to make another loan. A major problem prior to the new deal was that there were not enough loans to meet the demand for home ownership. And this was due to a shortage of liquidity, not necessarily a shortage of money. Gotcha. And that's a very important point. So I want to make sure that we all understand that. Yeah. So before, due to liquidity problems, there was a hard limit to the number of loans that the housing finance system could make. Now, the banking system can keep making home loans until they run out of borrowers to lend to. Hmm. As long as Fannie keeps buying those loans, they can just keep making yeah. them. Like until and theoretically, um, until everyone has a home, is that sort of like the? Inter- I mean, clearly not. Um, but that is, in principle, on paper, that would sort of be that. That is the limiting factor. Like when everyone, when no one can get a loan anymore, that's when the loans would stop, right? Right. So basically you run out of people who want to be a homeowner or you run out of people who are credit worthy or people who can make that 20% down payment. So, okay. Um, So, all right. So we're almost done with this section. There is one thing we have to circle back to. So now remember before we were talking about how FDR was afraid of the public reaction. Mm -hmm. If the government started foreclosing on people's homes, um, right through the homeowners loan corporation. Do you, so do you remember that? Okay. So this is a problem for Fannie Mae as well. Um, they're also afraid that, that this, the same issue is going to crop up for Fannie Mae. So what could you do to solve this problem? Hmm. So we've already we've already made it so that the government will insure the loans and buy them from you. Um, right. But now if the government owns them and somebody falls behind, now it's going to be the federal government's name on the foreclosure paperwork. Do you? And potentially there's a lot of people like that could be a lot of foreclosures. Um, and so what we want is for there to be somebody else's name on that foreclosure paperwork. I apologize for the naivete of this question, but can you sell a foreclosure <laughs> the way you can sell a loan? <laughs> I don't think you have to do that. I think you just need a shell. Ah, so these sort. Of- so you, Mary actually said the answer um, back when we were talking about this issue with the homeowners loan corporation. Um, so basically, even though Fannie Mae owns the mortgages, it hires the originator of the mortgage, so the private bank, mm-hmm. to service the loan. 
right? So the servicer collects the monthly payment. They deal with delinquencies. They deal with foreclosures. Um, So for example, I'm a homeowner. My loan is owned by Fannie Mae, but my monthly payment still goes to UW Credit Mm -hmm. Union. If I have a customer service problem, I don't call Fannie Mae. I call UW Credit Union. Gotcha. Um, this is a really bad idea. <laughs> yeah, I can see where. Do you see why? I mean, like, it, it, beyond this sort of like weird shifting of responsibility, it does seem kind of like. I, I mean, the only person who's not protected here is the consumer, right? Like, there's that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so specifically, in the we saw this a lot in the 2007 to 2009 housing meltdown. Um, So it was a lot of the time it was actually in Fannie Mae's financial best interest to keep people in their homes. Mm -hmm. Um, The foreclosures actually lost Fannie Mae a lot of money and they would have been way better off if the mortgage terms were modified to be affordable to the homeowner and to avoid a foreclosure altogether. The problem is that only the servicer has the ability to modify the so terms. So you remove the sort of a, the power is no longer you you have you've yeah. given all these great things to the servicer, including the power to enforce things, which then make render you completely like unable to do the thing you're designed to do. Right, right, and it's not it's not in the borrower's best interest. It's not in society's best interest for all these foreclosures to happen, right? I mean, a lot of these foreclosures became abandoned homes that were, you know, used uh, used for crime or they were just, you know, safety hazards. They blighted the neighborhoods um, and people's, you know, their life savings were gone. Um, but yeah, basically the way the contracts are written, the servicer makes a lot of money in a foreclosure hmm. and modifying loan terms is a lot of work and they don't get paid anything extra for doing it. Um, so the servicer has a financial best interest to foreclose on as many homes as quickly as possible. Whereas <laughs> Fannie Mae's financial best interest is to modify the loans and keep people in their homes. Huh. I, what could go wrong? <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> what could go wrong? Oh my God. <sighs> now there's another, there's another issue. And Mary alluded to this as well. Um, when we were talking about this issue, uh, in relation to the homeowners loan corporation. So my wife and I were notified that Fannie Mae bought our mortgage in a single letter that looked like junk mail. <laughs> and I asked my wife, Hey, who owns our mortgage? And she replied that UW credit union owns our mortgage and was just incredulous that Fannie Mae, whoever that is, could own our mortgage or how, how would you even sell a mortgage? Yeah. You can't sell a mortgage. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, what I'm trying to say here is that there is massive government intervention in the private mortgage market. I mean, so much that it's kind of like a public lending system with private branches, but the public aspect is basically concealed. And a layperson like my wife, who's very, very smart, but has no background in housing policy, would never know or even have any way of finding out that the government is in any way involved in her mortgage. Yeah, I mean, because, I mean, yeah, I didn't I didn't speak to the government. Well, we, yeah, we didn't like we didn't. We, 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 we had something the, similar. Yeah. Remember when they so, like uh, Fannie Mae um, bought our mortgage? Uh, similar thing. Like hmm. we just kind of like got a notice about it. When I remember being like, "Don't I have some say in this? Like, <laughs> don't I get to choose at some point?" Um. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, if you thought that letter was junk mail or um, 
you could have forgotten about it. I mean, most people, right, the government literally owns your mortgage and you have no idea. Well, and, and that's kind of typical. And also, there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. Right. Like, there's, I mean, like, even if you do understand and even if you do know, like, what what's to be done? Yeah. Send, send right. them a letter. And, and nothing changes. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. But nothing changes, yeah. right? You keep making uh-huh. your monthly payment to to your to the the person that made your loan um you know nothing changes so that explains why um why the housing system seems like it's so totally private but it's not now uh later fanny may is given a sister Ginny may in 1968 and a brother freddie mac in 1970 for our purposes Fanny, Freddie, and Ginny, they are all doing the same thing. I, I love that they've, um, they've so sort of given these personalities to these, these right, organizations. Right. Also, you, it makes you feel like uh, Fanny May, her la- like, her, I always assumed her middle name was May. Mm-hmm. Um, but Ginny May has the same middle name? I mean, you know, Strange. You, I don't know how this family works. Different traditions. You know? Maybe they're first cousins, too. Who yeah. knows? And Mac? <laughs> What's that? Yeah, where'd he come from? Yeah. <laughs> So, so, um, so, uh, okay. So Fannie Mae today has $3.5 trillion in assets and Freddie Mac has $2 trillion in assets, a trillion with a T. What, so what Fannie Mae is Ginny? actually, uh, Ginny is a lot smaller. Mm, mm, mm. Um, so, so the, uh, so the difference, so Ginny can only buy mortgages that are insured by the Federal Housing Administration or the VA. Oh, okay. um, So Ginny's just a lot smaller. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if Ginny never was able to issue bonds, and that's why she's so much smaller. She might not crack our um, trillion uh, cutoff. Does not. Yeah. No, definitely. No, no. She's in the billions. Oh. Like, does not. All right. Does not even doesn't matter. Doesn't even matter. Yeah, so, Couch money. So, fan- <laughs> so, so Fannie Mae is larger than all of the too big to fail Wall Street banks. Freddie Mac is larger than all but two of them. Wow. <laughs> and I mean, a lot of people have never heard of them. And I mean, most people, I don't think really understand what they're doing. No. I mean, I, I know the names, but I've no, I mean, like, this is one of the many things. <laughs> if there's been a big lesson in the last, like, you know, four to five years, there's a lot of things you take for granted that maybe you shouldn't. And this is definitely like, again, I, I'm, I'm familiar with, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm familiar with uh, the term Fannie Mae, but that's it. I know the term. Um Part of me did assume that it was like some sort of old money company established in like the 18th century or like, you know, some, some like that's the sort of image that I, I had in my mind. Not like not anything at all what it actually is, which is not. not well, now, you know. now I know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. so we've got one more to cover We're we'll go right through it because we've kind of, um, you know, we've told the important story about, you know, liquidity and different types of mm-hmm. risk. Um, but there is one more entity that we're going to cover real quick. It's called the Federal Home Loan Bank System. And the Federal Home Loan Bank System runs on a parallel track. It's not actually a part of the New Deal. So President Hoover is remembered by most people as someone who was willfully blind to the Great Depression. But I actually changed my mind about Hoover and gained a lot of respect for him once I learned how he fought to create the federal home loan bank system because it was a fight to get this thing started. Um, So the federal home loan bank system was created in 1932. Again, that's before the New Mm -hmm. Deal. Um, Had the federal home loan bank system been created, you know, even 20 years before the Great Depression, I think the catastrophic failure of the housing finance system would not have occurred. Oh, interesting. That, that's a real point for Hoover, um, who, who like is not well remembered. 
Right, right. Um, and because that's because Hoover recognizes that the balloon mortgages are the problem. Hmm. And what the federal home loan bank system does is it creates a way to phase out and replace short term balloon mortgages with medium term amortizing mortgages. Right. So they were uh, these mortgages were 12 to 18 years. Um, obviously, that's too short. The New Deal extends that to 20 years and then 30 years. But clearly they were going in the right direction and they recognized that the balloon mortgages were were the problem. Um, so the federal home loan bank system, you know, creates a way to phase these out and slowly over time replace them. But they are completely unequipped to deal with a full-blown crisis. And by now we are already in a full-blown crisis. <laughs> so it could have prevented the crisis, but its structure makes it impossible to actually deal with the crisis once it's here. <laughs> now, later in 1932, Hoover loses re-election to FDR. Early 1933, senators haul the Federal Home Loan Bank board in front of Congress to testify. And they're saying, look, we want to repeal the law that created you because you are not helping. And the Federal Home Loan Bank board says, look, we are helping. You just don't understand what we do. <laughs> so they explain what they're doing. And they also explain that they're not equipped to deal with this crisis. And then they say, you know, if you want to solve this crisis, here's what you have to do. And they basically tell Congress to solve this problem, you need to create the homeowners loan corporation. <laughs> so the federal home loan bank repeal is dropped. And a few months later, Congress passes the bill that creates the homeowners loan corporation and appoints the federal home loan bank board to head up the homeowners loan corporation. A very interesting right. story, I think. <laughs> That's a lot of a lot of federal activity, I guess. <laughs> and then when Freddie Mac is created, it is originally part of the federal home loan bank system. So a very, very important uh, entity in uh, the history of, of housing in the United yeah. States. Okay, any questions about that? I think I got it. There, there was a lot of federal terms, but I think, I, I think I'm following you. Okay, great. So. Okay. So... With over a trillion dollars in assets, it is larger than all but four of the too big to fail Wall Street banks, right? Until recently, it was bigger than all but two. Um, but there's been a lot of consolidation in recent years. Uh, few people have even heard of the federal home loan bank system, right? A lot of people have heard of Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, um, but not the federal home loan bank system. Um, but the federal home loan bank system is fundamental to home ownership in the United States, so what do they do? They make loans, which they call advances, to banks. Um, now, in order to obtain a loan, a lender has to offer the federal home loan bank a mortgage as collateral. <laughs> right. So the idea is here is that if the bank can't afford to pay back their mortgage, the federal home loan bank can take that loan as collateral. So you make a loan so that you can get a loan and be eligible for more loans. To, to make more loans if you're bank. I mean, I mean, basically, it's like a mirror of what we're doing with the bank, but the hmm. bank is doing it with the feds. Gotcha. Yeah. So, um, OK, so basically with these advances, um, the federal home loan bank system is adding liquidity. Um, so it's a, a lot like what Fannie Mae is doing. It just it, they're doing it in a different way. So. Because the Federal Home Loan Bank is making these advances and adding all this liquidity to the banking system, that means that 
they're dramatically expanding the number of home loans that the banking system can originate. Makes sense? Yeah. Because, yeah, because again, liquidity drives the amount, liquidity triggers the amount of loans that are available to be given, basically. Right, right. right. Uh, now, the only collateral that the Federal Home Loan Bank accepts is a low interest, long term, fixed rate, fully amortizing home loan. So basically, once a bank makes a low interest, long term, fixed rate, amortizing home loan, they are awarded with a very favorable loan from the federal home loan <laughs> bank system. All right. So, uh, and then probably they're going to use that to make more loans. And it's a, you know, it's a virtuous cycle <laughs> like Fannie Mae. Gotcha. All right. So, so that's it. Like th- those are all of the, those are all of the entities that we're going to talk about today. Um, and this is, this really um, is how, the housing system works. But, you know, we talked about a lot of things. We talked about a lot of different programs. So let's let's try to tie this all together. And let's imagine that none of us are homeowners. And let's say that Andrew walks into UW Credit Union and asks for a home loan. And they say, you know, we'd love to give you a loan, but we're all out of liquidity. All of our money is tied up in other people's mortgages. But you know what? I'm going to make a quick call over to Fannie Mae. So loan officer goes back to his office, picks up the phone. A few minutes later, he comes back and he says, okay, Fannie Mae is going to buy one of our mortgages. So that frees up some money to lend to you. Hmm. Now, the next day, I walk into UW Credit Union and I ask for a home loan. And they say, hey, we'd love to make you a loan, but we used up all of our liquidity on Andrew's house. Oof, sorry. <laughs> yeah, early bird gets but, the worm. But. Uh. But. The loan officer then says, let me make a quick call over to the Federal Home Loan Bank of Chicago. That's the one that serves Wisconsin. So he goes to his office. He makes a call. A few minutes later, he comes back and he says, OK, we offered Andrew's loan as collateral. Hmm. And with that, they sent us a cash advance. So now we have the liquidity we need to make you a home hmm. loan. I mean, the, I mean, I think the thing that should that should bother all of us is that housing that achieving home ownership and 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 getting there, while many people, well, you know, the the majority, right, in America, do it, that it it's very risky for us and um, the, the people. You know, you can lose your whole life savings and get upside down on your houses very quickly, and we don't really seem to be benefiting much from the fact that our government owns all that we all live in public housing we've already seen so many examples that show why public housing can work not only um to benefit sort of like the economic stability of a community but also just like the community's stability itself also even more sort of uh frustrating is that many of these systems have emerged as a result of cataclysmic events like the depression or world world war ii like other places had these problems or had similar problems and found ways to them that didn't involve creating this sort of fundamental uh, conflict between the sort of government agencies driving these, these sort of noble purposes and the private bullies kind of that they, they have to work with to, to, to enable us who want the system to fail. Like that's the thing that kind of strikes me, st- strikes me the most dramatically is that like, yeah, as kind of discussed in, in the first episode, there's a lot of ways that housing in America can go very awry. Um, but like, we've got all these systems in place that should make that, that, that we have systems in place that like should 
help to alleviate that. But in parallel to those, we have systems that are that are opposed to human need and human right. I mean, that's that's the sort of dark truth here is that like you have these private organizations who ultimately like like this all went to hell before the Great Depression or in conjunction with the Great Depression because of bad unregulated practices. And now we have these regulations, but at the same time, like they're driven by the same sort of I don't know, like it's it's it's. When do we learn? I guess when do we get? When do we like figure out that um, you can't have fair housing when housing is driven by organizations that benefit from foreclosure? Mm-hmm. Well, and also the fact that it's not fair. I mean, this yeah. the system is still designed to shut people out from um, from achieving home ownership. Yeah. Right. So it's it it works for the middle and upper class. It works very well for the very rich, but it doesn't really work so great for poor folks. Instead, then we have a whole separate system, which really, like, why would you not just qualify for even better loans? If it's all just, if it's all just the Fed's money, come on. Yeah. You know? Right, right. And we, when we start putting hard numbers on this, it's going to make that point, I think, even more clearly. Um, and, you know, the... You know, you might say that the housing system or the home ownership system works very well for uh, for middle class or upper middle class people. It does until it doesn't. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, once something goes wrong, then you find out just how bad our housing system <laughs> yeah. is. Yeah. Um, so now, you know, just to just to complete a thought. Um, so, you know, none of these conversations, for my example, or none of these phone calls actually happen. Right. This is all going on in the background. You're not going to know that the bank is planning on selling your mortgage to Fannie Mae or that they're planning on using it as collateral for the federal home loan bank system. Um you know, I think us, there's probably a lot of loan officers that don't fully understand how this system works because it is so concealed. Um, the government also doesn't instantly pay cash for Andrew's loan, right? UW Credit Union would get their money over several years time. Um, but this is a simplified example and it, it illustrates basically what's going on. Lenders really do sell people's loans to Fannie Mae in order to make more loans to other people. And lenders really do use people's loans as collateral to get advances from the federal home loan bank to make more loans to other people. And then, you know, we didn't even talk about federal housing administration insurance, which, you know, which further supports this system. <laughs> the value of all mortgages for home ownership in the United States is around $10 trillion. Jesus Christ. Oh, my God. That's, that's, a, that's a lot, lot of money. Oh, my God. So the total value of outstanding federal home loan bank advances is about three quarters of a trillion dollars or about 7% of all mortgage debt. Um, Now, this is actually kind of low. Back in 2008, the total value of federal home loan bank advances was almost a trillion dollars. But, you know, we can use the lower number, uh, three quarters of a trillion dollars or about 7% of all mortgage debt. Um, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac have total assets of five trillion, and they own forty-five percent of all home loans. Um, the Federal Housing Administration and the VA, which does the same thing as the Federal Housing Administration, right? They um, insure mortgages. Um, they're insuring eighteen percent of all home loans. 
So if we add this together, 70% of all home loans are directly subsidized by the federal government. Um, and that's about $7 trillion. Hmm. So of the 10 trillion, 7 trillion is subsidized. Is directly, is directly subsidized. Is, is public housing. Well, well, let's think about that. Um, so before we get to that, let's just be very clear that we are not double counting. Right. So if you have Federal Housing Administration or VA insurance, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac cannot buy your loan. Um, if Fannie Mae owns your loan, then obviously the bank cannot use it as collateral for the federal home loan bank system. Right. So we are not double counting. Mm. Um, if we did start double counting, right, Ginny Mae buys federal housing, uh, federal housing administration and VA loans. Um, so a lot of home loans are owned by the federal government, right? 45% by Fannie and Freddie, and then Ginnie Mae owns um, even more that are uh, insured by the Federal Housing Administration and the VA. Um, let's compare this to, uh, to what the government spends to support housing for the poor. Um, as we said at the beginning of the episode, Section 8 is a $30 billion per year program, Low-income housing tax credits is a $10 billion per year program. Again, they're both very wasteful, very inefficient. A lot of that spending never actually benefits low-income households. Um, and then nothing is spent on public housing. It has to be financially self-sustaining. Um, so $40 billion per year is spent on housing for the poor. Um, and meanwhile, over $7 trillion <laughs> is subsidizing uh Homeownership through Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, the Federal Home Loan Bank System, the Federal Housing Authority, uh, the VA, um, and like we said at the beginning, we are ignoring a lot of a lot of programs. Right, we're leaving hundreds of billions of dollars on the table. Um, we're only talking about the very biggest programs supporting homeownership. Any reactions to that? I mean, that? it's just staggering. I, I think that the thing I've taken away from the examples that we've talked about that work is that. You make it you you create systems that equally benefit and are attractive to people of many, many walks of life and economic um, prospects. Right. And, and and then you kind of balance it all out so that things are pretty equal among them. You know, if I make more money, I pay a little bit more money. If I make less money, I pay a little bit less money. And like how they how they they work that system depends on where you are and what system they have in place. But this just seems so evil that we have a system that completely cuts out and gives almost nothing um, to house people who desperately need the assistance. And then the rest of it is sort of this like shell game um, that is worth far more money um, and, and even then does not really benefit most of the people sitting comfortably in the middle. Right. It's really only until you get to the people who are or who are raking in um, subsidies for their vacation homes that <laughs> you really start to see some like people who are having fun with the system. That's bad. Yeah. I mean, this is I think this is, you know, you I think you can clearly point to history and say this is an improvement, but um, it's wildly disproportionate in a way that doesn't seem to benefit most of the people involved in it. You know what I mean? Like the, the, you know, the, we, 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 we got better mortgages, but you know, like how do we justify that much money going into the system? I mean, I guess we justify it by 
saying by looking to history and saying, you know, if we didn't do this, well, no one would have a house. Right. Um, but we know that's not true. Well, and I also feel like the system itself could work really well. It's just that it's just that it's allowing um, people to be penalized and actually making it economically attractive to foreclose so, yeah. on people. And that. And then there are people who are completely shut out of the system because they can't meet certain credit requirements or whatever keeps them from getting mortgages. And instead, then we give them some little skimpy system. And of course, if they if they grow beyond the limit, if they make too much money to be in that system, they lose their house and don't have enough money. Yeah, they just fall. They just like fall in the chasm between between these two systems. Yes, cracks would be an understatement in this particular system. Um, Yeah, yeah, and you, I mean, and then you've got these people who are homeowners that say, "Well, you know, I don't accept government handouts." (laughs) When really, the cash that the bank gave them for their loan to buy their house, you know, was maybe from directly from Freddie Mac, and Fannie Mae actually owns their mortgage. Well, but those people are dicks anyway. If people are like, if people are like, I did everything myself and no one ever helped me and I never received assistance. I'm like, you're just like willfully blind if you believe, if you right. believe that about yourself. But I would understand why they are. I, I would say that they are not willfully blind in this particular um, piece because the way it is designed is to fool you. It is not clear when you buy a house. They're not like, OK, here's what's going to go down. Yes, you're getting a loan from us, but we're going to sell your mortgage to the government, and that's what's going to happen. And we're not going to call it the government. We're going to call it Fannie Mae or (laughs) Freddie Mac. We're going to call it something else to confuse you and make it even more difficult for you to figure (laughs) out what's going on. Um, So, I mean, that alone makes makes you feel bad and also makes you wonder, like, how much or makes you realize how much of our sense of like American exceptionalism and um, independence is just like total, total malarkey, you know? <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, yeah, I mean, we're there are countries with 80 to well over 90 percent home ownership rates. Um, and we're, you know, we're in the in the low 60s right now. <laughs> Um, so anyway, okay. So I, I want to go back to a point that Andrew made a few minutes ago. So, you know, so having, um, gotten all that out of the way, um, Andrew, you said something about how, okay, so 70% of the mortgage market or $7 trillion is public housing. I'm going to say that that is an understatement that that's that if we say that only 70% is public housing, that that's an understatement. Why would I say that? Um, so 70% of loans are directly subsidized by the federal government. But some of these sources of subsidy, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, Ginnie Mae, and the federal home loan bank system, what they're doing is adding liquidity to the system. So, okay, so there's 30% of mortgage debt that's not directly subsidized by the federal government. But without the massive amount of liquidity added to the system, that 30% could never have been originated. Gotcha. So yeah, so even even though it's not so directly or indirectly, in essence, everything is made possible through this federal system. Exactly, exactly. So even if your loan is not owned by the government, it probably still owes its existence to the increased liquidity created by the government, right? Because before uh, before these programs were in place, there was a real hard limit to the number of loans that could be made because of the liquidity issue, right? Once 
Once Fannie Mae started creating all this liquidity in the federal home loan bank system and Freddie Mac and Ginnie Mae, once they started adding all this liquidity to the housing system, um, now suddenly banks, right, they don't run out of liquidity. They can keep making loans until they run out of applicants. Um, So another way to look at this is that if Fannie Mae buys your loan, that doesn't actually help you. It helps the person who applies after you. Yeah, because they're because now they now the bank has liquidity to give them the money and then sell their loan and get more liquidity and <laughs> making more loans. Um, but you were yeah, each after you is benefiting from from your from your situation basically. Yeah. Right, right. And if there weren't Fannie Mae buying all those mortgages, then only that first mortgage could be made because there wouldn't be enough liquidity. Hmm. So. So just to tie it all and just really make sure that we understand this point about liquidity because it's just so important. So we're saying that 70% of home mortgages, about $7 trillion, that's directly subsidized by the government. But the remaining 30% is indirectly subsidized in that it could not exist without the liquidity that was created by subsidizing that 70%. Yeah. So we're saying all homeowners live in public housing. And now going back to the beginning... I get it. it that's All fascinating. Right. I mean, like, I guess, you know, it, I, I kind of, I, you know, I will say I was, I felt that like was going to be relatively easy to convince of this, but, but no, now I see it. Cause I mean, I think, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's amazing to understand the history of why the system exists to, to sort of be able to both appreciate, but also be horrified by how this has emerged. You know, this, this is, you know, I feel like th- this is uh, America sort of taking a step in the right direction in the face of crisis and then just sort of letting the private sector kind of, help. I don't know. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and then, re- you know, returning to this point from before lenders don't actually assume much of the risk of lending. The risk is simply socialized, yeah. right? The federal housing authority and the VA are eliminating the credit risk for 18% of all loans. Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac are eliminating all risk for 45% of loans. Um, that's 63%. Um, that the government is assuming all or a large chunk of of the risk of lending. So for-profit lenders are keeping some of the profits and they're passing all the risks on to the public. And are we okay with that? Personally, no. <laughs> I think this is a terrible situation. Um, I, I, but, the, but what's frustrating is there's always this sort of like historical precedent to, to hold over heads and, well, if we didn't do this... Well, if we didn't take this risk, then no one would be able to do it. And that's, 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 I mean, it's a lie. Again, obviously, it's just, it's the system we found ourselves in, I suppose. So I would describe housing finance as an iceberg. So why would I say that? I mean, like, typically, because what you see <laughs> is only the very, very top. Like 30%, a, in fact, I think oftentimes yeah, is cited. There's a lot more underneath the water, which you're not totally aware of. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, you know, you you nailed it. So, yeah, so we can say this ratio is like 70%, 30%, where the the vast majority is invisible. It's concealed from view. It's underwater. Um the only part of the system that's visible is that 30% is is uh, you know, is the the private sector, but really um most of it is the government. But not only that, but the smaller portion right? The private lenders, that that part would sink into the sea if it wasn't held up by the larger portion, by the government. 
Um, and that's because of, again, because of all of the liquidity that the government is adding, all the socialization of that risk. Um, really, um, that 30% that is private would just sink sink right into the sea um, if not held up by the government. Oh, truly an apt metaphor, my friend. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Um, so now back in 2009, when the economy was terrible, that ratio wasn't 70-30. It was closer to 95-5, <laughs> where 95% of of home loans were directly subsidized by the federal government and 5% weren't. And you add all this up and you can't help but wonder why do we even need private lenders? Why not just cut out the middleman and apply directly to Fannie Mae for a home <laughs> yeah. loan? I, I, I simply don't know this, this, I mean, I guess like because there's a lot of money involved and a lot of people <laughs> have uh, a stake in this sort of rough system. But I mean, if, uh, in a more perfect world, I think, yeah, what, 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 what are these middlemen offering to, to me, the consumer, other than the threat of losing everything in my life? Food for thought. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was hoping for an answer. Damn it. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't, yeah. I don't think that can be no, justified. I don't, I don't think. I don't think there's any good reason for that. Yeah. So can you picture what home ownership would look like without public support? Yeah, we saw it with the Great Depression. <laughs> no one would do it. Um, I mean, like, it, it seems crazy because, I mean, I feel like, you know, for all of our conversations have focused on, like, the 20th century. You know what I mean? But there's been a lot of human history prior to that. And I, I, people have been homed. I, I guess, like, it's it's it's... I would say in the context of the current sort of like view of the world and how we see it, no, I, I don't, I, I, which is crazy because like, it, I don't know, it makes, it makes me want to dig back further into time. You're like, how, you know, how did, how did this work? It's pro probably ways that are much worse <laughs> than anything we can conceive of <laughs> given the, the course of history. But like, I, I don't, I mean, like, it doesn't seem like there is an, a, a, a home ownership without some sort of like some sort of driving system, intentional system behind it for better. I, I yeah. would agree. Yeah, I would really agree. Wherever you see home ownership, there's got to be, or at least whenever you see ordinary people yeah. owning homes, there's got to be some public support. Oh, yeah. behind I just remembered uh, feudalism is the answer I think, to the question that that's I right. actually We'd asked. We'd all be serfs and <laughs> yeah. live on the lands we that's, worked. We, that's an easy answer, question to answer. Um, we'd all live in, uh, we'd all live in Apple's basement. Uh, so we would all be toiling, toiling at the tech mines. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I mean, well, and also, you know, balloon mortgage, if we still had banks, I assume that we would still like balloon mortgages would still be a thing. Right. They would not want to give very many right. of them. Um, and also, I think that our infrastructure would fall. We've seen that many yeah. times with public housing, that public housing helps your infrastructure. It maintains if you have good public housing, your your the houses, the housing stock is maintained much better. So without that, I would assume, and if everything was sort of like transient and no one really owned anything, um, who would maintain the buildings? Also, I mean, you know, we've seen that in instances where you expect public housing to be sort of financially self-supportive, like Prude-Igo, and, um, you know, it, it fails. Like historically, it, it is without that support and with the expectation of it, of, of trying to be self-sufficient, it, it simply... It isn't right. We don't we don't expect 
homeowners to be self-sufficient. Yeah. Um, look at all the support we're giving them, but we expect that of of public housing. I mean, that's that's just that's, nonsense. It's insane. The fact well, that there's so much more assistance being given for it too. Like that's. And this is something that I've I've kind of been realizing, learning about Section Eight, is that another another reason is, or I think one of the reasons that they don't really want to um, put it out on Front Street how much how much of our housing is is subsidized by the government and why they want to get away get away with giving people vouchers instead of like actual tangible places to live is because then you don't like crystallize people as part of a community or a structure if you're just like giving people vouchers to like hit the free market and see if you can find someone who'll take your vouchers when that does no longer becomes economically viable for those people in the free market, they are happy to kick you out, knock down their old apartment building, build condos, and then sell it to gentrifying white people. Yeah. Right? So, you know, let's like let's like magnify that times ten. You would I think we'd have a lot of transients. I don't think that there really would be like kind of stability within communities um, without public housing because people need to kind of like settle to form those kinds of things, right? Yeah. That's right. why, like, housing around colleges are always such hell holes because it's just a bunch of students. They don't care, right? That's why when yeah. you buy a house, you're like, I want to buy a house with their other homeowners because, like, we'll all give a shit like yeah. together, yeah, you know? Yeah. Like, you don't, <laughs> yeah. you don't, you don't necessarily want to buy, um, be the only homeowner in a community of renters. Yeah, you will, you will be the person with the nicest house on the block. Yeah. You know, so if you force, right. if you then create that economic divide automatically, then suddenly you can just kind of like push those people out at a moment's notice. That's not great. Yeah, no, I couldn't couldn't disagree. Um, so what I came up with um, without public support for homeownership, right, far fewer of us would be homeowners. We know this because prior to the Great Depression, um, we were a minority homeownership country and with uh, after the New Deal, we are a two-thirds majority homeownership country. So a lot fewer of us would be homeowners. Those of us who could afford to be homeowners would live in worse housing, right? Interest rates would be higher. Down payment requirements would be higher. And so we couldn't afford as big or as nice of a house. Um, those of us who could afford to be homeowners would be in danger of losing our homes um, because we have these terrible short-term, non-amortizing, interest-only balloon mortgages. And if we were unlucky and had a balloon payment due during a recession, we would lose our home and our life savings. There's also the small issue of uh, the, these New Deal reforms prevent these balloon mortgages from blowing up the entire economy. <laughs> yeah. um, so, you know, I mean, what a nightmare. Thank God there's public housing. <laughs> and uh, so and it's been almost 90 years since the homeowners loan corporation created the first low interest long term fixed rate home loan. And we've been subsidizing housing like this for nearly a century um, older than the suburbs. A key idea here is that there are no income restrictions on these programs. Anyone who is a homeowner benefits from these programs, even if they are fabulously wealthy. There are also no strings attached. Homeowners get all this help, but nothing is expected from them in return. And obviously banks are tremendously profitable and they get all this government subsidy with very little expected in return. I mean, what do we make of that? They're not targeted to people in need. Anybody can benefit. And there's no strings attached. 
I, I think we need some strings. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> That's kind of I'm inclined. I don't know. I feel because like, you know, consider consider the other systems. Like in you know, um, again, I keep I keep, keep feeling uh, compelled to point to Singapore because um, it was such a such a jolly system. But like you know, um, anyone, even like a millionaire, can get engaged in public housing in that sense. But that doesn't disrupt that doesn't somehow manage at least as far as i'm aware doesn't make it unfair for other people because there's still expectations and standards and there are strings like you have to have you know um demographically proportionate housing so that that and that and that fixed their constant race riot problem you know what i mean (laughs) consider the fact that like we have this idea of the like i mean i think at the end of the day like regulation is important and like you need it's wonderful to 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 be in a position where you don't have to necessarily, um, wh- where you get to take benefit of this sort of I guess it's called string free system, but like you have to ask what the cost is, you know, like this yeah it's not right. like there's no strings for for like um you know for for some people but like people are paying for this people are suffering for this there's this is built on a foundation that is like fundamentally taking from people who 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 need more, um, and that's crazy. I just think it's like yeah. it's just out of whack exactly yeah. what housing is supposed to do. Yeah, exactly. And this is making it more about like housing is supposed to help banks make money. Yeah. And like and that is not what it's for. It is a right. It is a fundamental need that we right. have and could accomplish and well, could provide. And it's fine and sometimes it's profitable. Like it doesn't have to not be profitable, no. but you do have you do have to have some sense of of serving the people who need it. Yeah. So, like, everything is equal, quote-unquote, just some of us are more equal than others. Thank you, Animal Farm. Um, <laughs> where, where, like, you know, we have... Um, it, it's not restricted, but definitely there are people who boxed out, and we don't make any real allowances within our actual system to help those yeah. people be included. Yeah, I mean, a society is a group of people working together. That's what it's supposed to be, in principle. But yet... This isn't. What if we say to banks and other lenders, look, no more free rides. You've got Fannie Mae. You've got Freddie Mac. You've got Ginnie Mae, the federal home loan bank system, giving you all this liquidity. You've got the FDIC, the Federal Housing Administration, the VA. In exchange, you're not going to be for profit any longer and you are going to start serving the public. And this would be an offer they could not refuse. They would literally cease to function without these government programs. Sounds like something I would propose. <laughs> Force them. Make Force them, them do make, it. Make them behave. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I think. Or we had that idea from before of let's just apply to Fannie Mae yeah. for a home loan. Um, since that's just where it's going to end up yeah. anyway. And why not say to homeowners, look, you've got Fannie Mae, you've got Freddie Mac, Ginny Mae, the federal home loan bank system, the FDIC, the Federal Housing Administration. In exchange for all this, we're going to put a maximum sale price on your home. But really, this is a good thing because your children and their children and their children are going to be able to afford a place to live. And your friends and family who are renters, um, they're going to be able to afford to become homeowners. Um, and, and we'll all be better off. Well, yeah. What if society pivoted such that we want everyone to have a home and have the ability to own a home? You know what I mean? Like that's, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's. What it if we let seems person- like we could do that with seven trillion dollars? Ten, yeah, t- I mean, ten to oh, ten trillion worth. Yeah, seven trillion. You'd think maybe, 
we could do something productive, mm-hmm. something positive yep. with seven trillion dollars. Yeah. So it's to say it again. Um, no, I think I mean, I think it's, even if it's, you just gave half of people who didn't have houses houses, you're like, here, this is yours. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. Like you would think we could do that with seven trillion dollars. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I'm all for this. <laughs> Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Burn down the system. <laughs> I don't even think we need to burn this one down. We need to just like remove some <laughs> some cruff, Re- like reallocate the funds. <laughs> yeah, we just need to. I mean, really, just change a few yeah. rules. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, like yeah, like no more smoke and mirrors. Like just make it really clear what's yeah. going on. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, the tools. Right, right. The tools are there. It's just a matter of picking them up and using yeah. them. Yeah. Hmm. Um, there would be definitely lots of resistance, I would think, politically yeah. to the idea that everyone could own a home. <laughs> because, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Even though that is part of the American dream. Explicitly. But part of the American dream, the sneaky part of the American dream is, I, w- I want to own a little bit more than you do. Yeah. <sighs> mm. Oh, well. All right. Uh, as always, thanks for listening to Housing for All. You can check us out at the podcast platform of your choice. Uh, Apple, Google, Spotify, um, Stitcher, the one, whichever one you happened to listen to this on. Uh, remember to tell, tell your friends, tell your family uh, while you're uh, listening. Please feel free to give us a rating, uh, possibly a review if you got the time and the inclination. And when you're done with that, uh, remember to check out the website for Chris's organization, Housing the Number Four. Us. That's housing for us. And also check out Outrageous Mechanisms to see other fine programs. Uh, until next time, uh, bye. 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 Outrageous.